0: Last week after finishing the Lunar New Year special, I got to thinking about Canada. And I thought about doing an episode listing 10 iconic Canadian dishes. But then I thought it would be too much like a listicle. So I cut the list down to five. Then as I got to work researching the histories of all of these wonderful dishes, I was faced with the realization that one episode to talk about five dishes simply was not enough to do them justice. So I decided to dedicate an episode to each dish which would allow me to talk about its history and impact on the culinary scene and talk to people along the way. Now I can hear you listening to this and starting to list off the dishes, so I know this is going to be a good series of episodes. Now the first dish I'm talking about today reflects a quality about this country which I value deeply as a child of immigrant parents, and that is its multiculturalism. As the first generation being born in Canada, I've had a unique journey of becoming who I am and also rediscovering my heritage. In addition, I've had the privilege of experiencing the many cultures that also make Canada home, coincidentally through the lens of food. Now I'm going to tell you a story. Back when I was in grade five, I went to Capitol Hill School. I lived in Whitehorn, and being the multicultural neighborhood it is, we had a good mix of kids at the school. Now, a couple of these kids were two Sikh brothers, Gaprit and Jasvinder. Because they were Indian, they were occasionally teased, and because they were Sikh, sometimes they would be hassled, because they had long hair that was, you know, tied into a Jura, or the bun that Sikh kids have before getting a turban. Sometimes kids would poke them or squeeze them, etc., Uh, But it was one day in the lunchroom where everything changed. You ever heard of the lunchbox moment? If you were an immigrant kid or a child of immigrant parents, then you know what I'm talking about. It refers to the moment of dread that you have before opening your lunchbox, worried that whatever food your parents packed for you would be the subject of your ridicule. Now, Eddie Huang wrote about this in his book Fresh Off the Boat. And it has been the subject of many essays, stand-up routines, and stories from many who have experienced it. Now, my mom was an ER nurse, so she worked weird shifts, which meant that she would often pack random things into my lunch that were either convenient or that required almost no effort to make. So instead of like Wonder Bread sandwiches... I would get things like Cornish pasties or microwave burritos. Uh, there was no such thing as juice boxes at the time, so often what there was was a thermos in the top half of the lunch box. It was usually full of like Kool-Aid or or juice or something. So anyways, I remember when it came time for lunch and Capri and Jazvinder would open up their lunches and there would always be two foil packets inside that they'd pull out first. One was full of fresh chapati. And the other was full of achar it was a tangy and pungent house pickle usually like mango and lime and the other kids would go nuts not that they made fun of it but that they wanted a piece now the moment those foil packets opened everyone had a handout and the brothers would be taking out chapati wiping them on the achar and passing them out it was unbelievable and that my friends is the power that food has in breaking down walls and opening up the gateway of appreciating other cultures. Now, I could have just said that this episode was about Indian food in Canada, but I thought you'd get a kick out of that story. Today, we're talking about iconic dishes in Canada. My name is Jade El Coro, and you're listening to the Aimless Cook Podcast. (music) So as you know, we're talking about Indian food in Canada, and today our first iconic dish in Canada is known as butter chicken. Now butter chicken, or merg makani is the single most popular Indian dish in Canada, much like chicken tikka masala is in the UK. Now, though the two dishes look similar, there's a definite difference between them. And that butter chicken has kind of a milder, uh, sweeter profile as opposed to like the spicier and tangier flavor of chicken tikka masala. And today I have a special guest that we're going to go to right now. Well, you're going to find out. Let's just go there. And with me today, I have an extraordinary guest. He is a longtime friend, talented chef, and a restaurateur behind the popular Indian eatery Deepak's Daba. Uh, You can find his delicious food at his main restaurant on Center Street North uh, at Crossroads Market, in addition to his newest location at Calgary Farmer's Market West. So Chef Deepak Singh Kalsi, welcome to the show.
1: Wow, thank you. I like that intro. (laughs) Now I feel all pressure to tell you about the curry and not. (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you very much. It is always exciting to see you. I I really admire your effort towards the industry of like especially food in Calgary and I often see you, uh, you know, visiting all different places and which which really admires me as well to support local and uh, Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming in my office today and like, you know, we're talking about some deliciousness. So I guess what my first question for
0: you is like, uh, what inspired you to pursue a career in cooking?
1: Well, uh, if I talk about my passion, I was always a foodie, a traveler, a people person. And even though in the past I had a couple more different professions that were along the way, still with me and but I cooking was always that has calling within me for my like total pure vibes within me and Growing up in Indian family obviously like you know you can't just pass by the kitchen without eating a warm fresh steamy food and otherwise your mom can put you in trouble Is somebody going to get hurt and real bad in reality <laughs> and uh, so that was that was quite a quite a reality for me and then being a foodie i would always be around the kitchen either i'm playing with the tools around with my dad or like you know being with my mom I wasn't really a sports person I did play cricket but um to the point where I could just visit and like hang out with my friends I was never too serious about it and at the same time like you know um being around in the kitchen and see the all the different action and same way when I would go to the temple as you know in our Sikh temples we have a big free kitchen and there is always food involved and everybody do their volunteer services and that would always be my part of interest to go to and then whether they'll give me five big bags of 50 kilo each loaded with onions and we'll peel cut chop and that was fun, yeah, that's where probably I learned my knife skill. Oh, <laughs> just put on a piece of a word with the um, just crafted knife, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was fun, and then you know whenever I would cook food, and I would always realize whenever I cook food, people sit down together, we share the food together, we talk, you know, we kind of connect, we relate to each other, so I kind of found that what all. Make this happen is the food. That's the centric part. Mm-hmm. And to have that centric part as food, I would always be um, interested to kind of like continue to become as a cook. And that had become my primal activity or a hobby. So that's how it kind of like started getting into my nerves, And then mm-hmm. even though I have done electrical engineering studies in yoga, still the education I attained as hospitality management I finished put me into the right track where I happened to meet really nice celebrity chefs. In my opinion, they were one of the best, loaded with lots of skills and great habits and magnificent and like exquisite hotels I worked with. And so they kind of like really created lots of interest within me. And uh, here I am in Canada.
0: So would you say that, because you just mentioned that uh, as a young boy, when you were just getting interested in this, you saw the community kitchens in the temple. Mm-hmm. And you saw it as very much like a call of, kind of like an act of community service. Right. Um Do you still carry
1: a lot of that sort of value in, in the career now? Of course. Boy, if I don't have... That spiritual aspect of cooking, I think to run a food business is almost not the right thing in Canada.
0: Because I think really cooking in itself is, well, it is hospitality, as they yeah. always say. Mm-hmm. And all of that is always giving and being a good host and mm-hmm. just providing whatever
1: like a guest will need. Continued process, like it's a yes. like constantly continued process to stay. Um, it's like, you know, there is no other option than being polite.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) how did that journey lead you to canada because you've been to you've cooked in many places in this world yes Yes.
1: many different places and uh one of my best training in the food i must give credit to two different places one was in india where i was uh it's a it's in himachal pradesh it's like a yeah state of mountains and kind of like our and like okay. and all that and then later they had like beautiful resorts and there was a one resort called Timber Trail mm-hmm. and they have very old like a French classic hotel run by a uh, lot of the management from Auberoy's Cecil Auberoy is the one of the the leading hotel in India hotel chain I would say and uh so there was lots of good habits and a lot of good training, I would say, that I happened to have over there. And uh, yeah, and then the other one was when I was uh, on my manager training at, um, at at Bintan Lagoon. It's 30 minutes ferry ride from Singapore, mainland, okay. to the island of Indonesia. And there are many um, five-star resorts over there and I happen to work with two different one over there and being around all those highly professional chefs gives you nothing but a lot of knowledge and experience with them and I always consider them as good habits because it's the habits that really make a person definitely uh-huh. yeah especially the yeah the good habits and the good values that you
0: bring from mentors along the way yeah so what 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 brought you here like how did you end up in Canada
1: Oh, well, in short, my wife. Yeah? She okay. uh, she was from Canada, and in original, like, our plan, we were dicing between uh, whether we should go stay in India or in Australia. And uh, Canada was not really in a plan, if you ask me. Yeah? Growing mm-hmm. up in a family where, like, a lot of us are in England, and uh, from my mom's side, I always had a mm-hmm. fancy to just go... In, in England and join my uncle's business and then mm-hmm. be with them. What and, did your uncle do? Uh, well, I have five uncles in a, okay. in, in England <laughs> and uh, all do different stuff. And then I would be joining one of them. Yeah. all. Okay. But I was really inspired by them and then wanted to go to England. And then, so anyways, Canada was never on the map for me. Huh. And, uh, but then... When I met my life partner, and then we started talking, and some of my cousins were already moved to Canada, oh. and they had nothing but great words about Canada, so mm. that kind of win me over. And then, as we both wanted to either stay in India or in um, in Australia, that that wasn't really practical. And uh, and for me, the type of person I am, I love traveling in India. I would do it till my last breath. I would want to go to India, but. Due to some reason that I, I I wasn't really convinced to stay as for the life. Like, you know, there are some challenges and not even challenges, the lifestyle that was not really uh, resonating with who I am. Mm. Yeah. So here I am in Canada. And then, uh, yeah, from the day one, just nothing but pedal to the metal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how long were you here until uh, until you decided
1: you're gonna build a restaurant empire? (laughs) Well, it took lots of passion and lots of bad food Yeah, and that I ate around and I I was like, let's introduce something different. Okay. Uh, I was personally in a, uh, I wouldn't mention the name, but like, you know, I was in a restaurant and Mm -hmm. the the owner would be always so concerned about uh, you can't cook for white people or like white people like different, they like sweet and stuff and and a couple of time I tried his butter chicken, the most-selling dish, and I was like, whoa, it seems like sugar syrup mixed with spices and some baked chicken with the red color. That's all I could find as a butter chicken. <laughs> uh, what's going on? I mean, it's almost like pink. Did you cook with roses or, like, is it for Valentine's only? <laughs> <laughs> so part of that, like, you know, and I, I tried a couple of places, and then, yeah, I... I've worked in different places. I also worked at the yoga studio to keep a good balance, and then um, worked a couple different places for food. And it gave me actually really great experience to know about the managements around here and people and the palate. And one of the game changer was Crosswords Market. Ah, yeah, yes, where That's I where started as just the chaiwala, right, mm-hmm. in the corner on a little table. Even being qualified chef and from hotel management, I could have done a lot more from the day one, but I chose to do chai only because chai and chat could inaugurate a lot in my life as in to educate myself about local palate, talk to people. And it's not a bigger commitment to just give somebody just a sample of chai. And uh, Canadians were polite enough and I was passionate enough to continue with that, (laughs) interesting yeah Yeah. i had a
0: i had a discussion i had a chat with uh ricky chung a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and he was telling me his story about when he immigrated to to calgary and started his noodle business Hmm. he manufactures noodles and uh one of the things that resonated now that you're telling me your story is that it's very much alike in terms of When he first got to Canada, he was doing, he was working at uh, a grocery store called Mm -hmm. Food City at the time. This Mm -hmm. was back in the 80s. Okay. And and he would work at Food City and then he would be at his uncle's. Right. You know, at night working on recipes to create the perfect noodle or creating the noodles eventually. Mm -hmm. And then he would actually go out. And talk to restaurants. So bring the the samples to the restaurants and talk to people, mm-hmm. much like what you yeah. were doing as a yeah. chaiwala at yeah. Crossroads. So it's really incredible because there is a very good foundation being built, mm-hmm. and maybe you don't see it right away. But now that I listen to both the stories, it it's very you know evident to me that like there was very a lot of just experience and just getting to know. What customers want, mm-hmm. how to talk to them, what yeah. they expect, right? right? <laughs> it's it, it
1: just like a lot of groundwork and uh, yes. to to know, you know, in order to to start from the roots, it it really takes to go deeper and and to quite a depth. And, you know, I didn't want it to become a restaurant at the day one, because in restaurant, you would not really find people come and visiting you. They're only there, like, you know, limited amount of people. And then they're there to have their services, not to mention, you can express a lot to them. But being in Crossroads Market, it's like, Whoever is passing by, it could be 10,000 people a weekend. And I would only say, hello, how are you doing? Want to try some chai? Want to get high with chai? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want to get high with chai? My stuff was legal before cannabis, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so at that point, like after, like how long were you just doing chai until you started actually doing food
1: well the chai i think i did for at least uh a year and a half in, in okay. a row where like and then i had a little uh, arrangement or sort of say like a treaty with the shop over there that um, th- they will let me sell chai and i will cook food for them oh and in that way i don't have to pay the rent. And I can support my company without investing anything. I probably initiated in the beginning maybe a couple hundred bucks or so. Smart, that's <laughs> clever. Actually, <laughs> that is. Yeah. I remember. I, I can even tell you first bill. I maybe if I have of cardamom and all those spices, maybe under two hundred, and then whatever it takes for fifty bucks for to start the, the number company. And this wasn't long. This wasn't that long ago. We're talking about two thousand. Kind of 15, sort of.
0: So, okay, so if you're listening out there, you probably have thought about getting into a restaurant business or a food business of some sort. And a lot of you, you know, you might have the misconception or the thoughts that it might be out of reach because of, you know, the, the money that might be involved in, in opening an enterprise like that. And to some, yeah, it, it can be. But... There are ways, if you're resourceful, if you're creative, if you know people, um, that you can get into this and, and yeah, like, like anyone can get into this. And like, I mean, farmer's markets are a very good, Mm -hmm. um, space in terms of like that kind of incubator of sorts for businesses like this. And... Mm -hmm like I mean the cost is fairly low and like I mentioned on the past episode too you can do pop up events there's a, a lot of things that you can do to mm-hmm. get your work out there to to start something to start a ball rolling and that's exactly like you know how I started as well like when doing you know farmers markets or seasonal markets mm-hmm. and just you know being in a space for free or you know getting the chance to just do your thing and work hard so that's mm-hmm. What I got to say about that?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, In my personal opinion, I think every entrepreneur in food business should always start from the farmers' markets. Yeah, Yeah. okay, yeah. There should be always a part of your training. It just makes you a lot of like, it makes you versatile, it -hmm. makes you consistent, it makes you resourceful and it's like you happen to see lots of farmers around and like right now, uh, even if we don't have a much supply chains, I can source out a lot of stuff from Calgary itself and I can put food on the table. And it definitely gets
0: you in front of a lot of people and Uh gets you into that sort of mindset that, you know, Depending, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. It's all people business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Whether you're selling a computers or insurance to food. Right. It's always about who you're getting along with, what, seeing what the needs are and how, how, to. To, how to fill it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great that you said that too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that walking traffic. Walking traffic is amazing in the farmer's markets. It's like you would never see that, being alone in a brick and mortar.
0: Yeah, So when you mentioned before that when you were in a restaurant, Uh that, of course, you saw opportunities from looking at their butter chicken and saying, hmm, Uh was that a reflection of... And you said that was sort of a reflection of what he thought people in Canada would want.
1: I think part of me was also aware that... um, I'm not sure if if that family was from the background of uh, uh, hotels or anything. Mm -hmm. It's like um, I I remember my interview was happening um, uh, with one of my teacher and he had a question like, you know, about opening a restaurants and what it takes and what it doesn't take. I said, what it takes and what it doesn't take, we can discuss later. But what we really need to ignore is like when somebody like, you know, you cook a meal for somebody and they'll try that. And they'll say, wow, you nailed it. You should really open up a restaurant. Uh, It's like if you saw somebody walk in on the road for a a little run, you say, why don't you go and be athletic or like, you know, be athlete or like go in in some... World champion games or something. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You you don't send those walkers in Olympics, right? Yeah. It's a different yeah, both run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it takes education, it takes experience, and it's it's a job itself. So what kinds of
0: things did you when upon trying that first butter chicken here? What kinds of things ran in your mind about what you could bring to the Canadian
1: palate? Right. Well, uh I think let's let's discuss this. The, with a little more deeper okay, when we dig in deeper for butter chicken, yes, soon we will realize we gotta know where it starts from okay now butter chicken started totally from like the staff food menu okay so there's a lot of good uh, food that starts oh, that way. yeah 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 a lot <laughs> of food like I think there is a lot more because the the entire cooking is by sensory system yes it has Something to do with education and all the theoretical everything, but even those are being prepared by the sensory systems. Mm. And so, in the kitchen staff area, they are the foodies, right? And they 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 know a lot about the flavor and the balance. So yes, they are gonna put always great stuff. So butter chicken started. It was a restaurant at the British time in India, and. Uh, All the off cuts of the tandoori chicken. Tandoori chicken is like, you know, the uh, tandoor oven grilled chicken on the big Mm skewers. The full chicken with bone in. And so they'll take like a chicken breast and a wing and leg and a thigh. And all the other off cuts of the chicken, they'll cut it and throw it in a box for staff food later, whatever they can cook.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And the same guy who made dal makhani also made murk makhani. Oh. He was a Punjabi chef, came from Lahore, Pakistan. Now in Pakistan, that time it was India. And so he was the one found like, you know, I, I barely can catch his name. You guys probably can Google it and could find it. But what he did, he created a nice silky gravy with tomatoes, cashews, ginger garlic, and some spices. So after he boiled those and then grind it, and then strain it. So imagine that nutty, smooth, silky, nice sauce dripping through the strainer. Mm -hmm. And here comes all the nicely grilled char chicken. Mix it up with it and toss it up with butter and cream. Now that's something, yeah, I I, I get water in my mouth by saying it. (laughs) And so, yeah, so that's just imagine like, you know, all you have is bowl of rice on the side or like a nice big morsel of naan and like, you know, you're grabbing that meat off the bone through that nice, silky sauce. So that was the butter chicken for the staff food for a long time. Wow. One day, like, you know, one, one bread guy, like, he was like, you know, could you guys not cook something different for me? I said, like, you know, what different can we go? How about this? We, we give him this today. They used Nice cuts, not the off cuts, but the same sauce to the person. Nicely mm-hmm. grilled chicken with nice, silky, nutty, smooth sauce. There it go. It was like, okay, could you just put it in the menu? And since then, it's, it's out there. Wow. And this is how the butter chicken started. It was never a thing. If you dig in deeper, like, you know, more than 150 years old, there shouldn't be any dish in India is with tomatoes because we didn't have tomatoes. mm Mm -hmm. And butter chicken is all with tomato, 90% as it's involve tomatoes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it has a lot to it. And then, you know, I can see it's, it's very palatable, you know, and it has that character that create combinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. So I, I see like, much like any culture that's so deep rooted in traditions, I find that, A lot of recipes are passed down by word of mouth or just simple act of watching and learning. And it kind of brings me to what you were just mentioning before. And I've learned a couple of things. So one usually will learn a skill where every step and task has a definite purpose or value. Mm -hmm. Further illustrating its importance as a skill that's passed down. And I mean, that just can be translated to saying that, you know, really good food is made by people who really care. Mm -hmm. And we also learned that a uh, very valuable ability that a lot of modern cooks or people mm-hmm. who just follow recipes don't have, and that is cooking with instinct, mm-hmm. is what you're just saying about with the sensories. Yeah, yeah the mm-hmm. sensories. Now, I, I know that in my experience of the industry, we're always aiming for consistency or solid systems when it comes to making food, especially if you're operating more than one location. Mm-hmm. Because they're also looking at a system to make things consistent. So, mm. I mean, what is your approach to cooking good food when working and, or mentoring your team?
1: Well, uh, that's why if you see that I have people working in our kitchen from all over the places because I never interview their skill. I always see who really resonate or merge into our team. Who really knows our philosophy, who, who is willing to work with us, who carries willpower, who carries a good heart and good senses for the food. And basically, I always check for person's passion. I probably never, ever asked, you can ask my staff in their interviews, that if they know how to cook even. Mm. I have some people in my team, they started literally from the day one. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know my head chef Jason Robinson he, he I'm sure he has a lot of background with uh, food but he probably cooked curry for the first time uh, in our kitchen and I just I just liked his passion and I liked just how he just penetrated in the team Yeah. and I was so open to share what I have and and to me if somebody is on the board I would always like cut the pie in same same size of slice for everyone and um uh, and yeah, so 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 yeah, like you know, it in terms of consistency and and about my place, um, those were the things. As you can see, I just saw like some love and passion within them. And one of my chef always told me like, "You love it or leave it," mm-hmm. right? So that's sort of a situation. And I found those, and then I always try to cook food for all three different locations at one place, as in the base sauces, mm-hmm. so that the quality is not right. divided into different places, right? and uh, so that I can control on the quality. And then also, I have written my recipe book that they follow.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah,
1: and, uh, and those recipe books, like people who have worked with my kitchen, I still have some of them with me, and uh, they know that. I have changed for the first three, four years. I changed a lot of my recipe mm. because and then even now, sometime I would look at it. I would look at what people reactions are on the food and I would instantly go back in my kitchen. I wouldn't sleep mm. that night. I would try to write and then uh, try to explore more within my own dish because I believe like it's like one of my F&B executive taught me when you put this white shirt on, the chef coat, it's about others not you right you otherwise you can cook yourself at home and like you know have fun but now you're cooking for others so there is going to be a lot of choices we make sure to make the food that is palatable and make sure that it's it has a lot experience for them and they enjoy it and that involves a lot of influence of your own customers now having said that I was not trying to get a feedback of making my food taste like alfredo or arabiata or any of that sauce, which people have tried over here, or those sweet butter chickens. But also I wanted to know what food is for people here. What are the ingredients that I can involve in my food and uh, that it could be more palatable, more acceptable by them? And so therefore like my recipes always updates based on what we are making, unless it's a butter chicken, beef and aloo. Those are like, since we've nailed it, we don't really change even a one gram in the recipe. Mm -hmm. But I'm always open to know, like, um, I personally like chicken thighs.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And (laughs) I think they are a lot more in flavor. And when you can give them a really good char on them, that really is a one character of butter chicken. Yes. But over the time, it's like tons of people would always be like, uh, do you have a white meat? Do you have a white meat? Yes. <laughs> but to run a business, I had to start with the white meat. So, okay. But to give that same tenderness yes. and softness to the chicken breast and still keep juicy, it took me more than two years to kind of like work on that chicken. How can I still make it like thigh? Like thigh is fatty, it's juicy, it has a lot more char character. So i um I have a very specific way of marinating my chicken that it goes through two different marinations before it can be grilled mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so that i can I can create the best product out of it.
0: So it is like a tandoori masala that you
1: that is kind of forms the base of when you, before you, with so the I think protein. Every uh, chicken before you can even decide spices. It's it's totally it's your it's your democratic right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can choose anything you want in your garam masala, which basically exactly, it is. Yeah. And choice of your spices, you like to crank more cinnamon, more cardamom, more fenugreek, more cumin, more coriander. Do it. Make your own. Mm-hmm. And so what I found is like. Before even you touch the spices, there is some character of the meat is to be treated. And having said that, the raw meat loves to have a salty and citric massage. Yes. And it not only tenderizes it, it creates and enhances a lot more character of the meat to it. And so in that first marination, I have uh, lemon juice, Um turmeric and uh, Kashmiri chili and salt. So these are like my first kind of cordial that I use um, to marinate my meat to, to create a nice, well-balanced flavor to it.
0: Now, with different, say, qualities of chicken that you see out there, would that factor change the makeup of, say, your garam masala or any other component that would go into making it good?
1: Um, so, the masalas are as a second marination. Yes. So, the first, like as I said, we do that. And if you're eating a grilled chicken in our restaurant, we even make a, our own tandoori paste mm. with all the fresh spices. So, that the second marination is when you apply on it, it actually coats on it. Yes. It actually grill along with it to create a nice crisp layer around the meat. Yes. Yeah. So within those spices, like, yes, we
0: do. And that also seals in moisture too, doesn't uh-huh. it? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Okay. And that, that seals in. Yeah, you're very right. And then also um, when we cook in the clay oven, what we do is it's a simple method of like how you, when you cook something, you you kind of like um, sear it and then you go for the second part yes. of it. So same way I cooked in two parts in the tandoor oven okay. so that the inner juice kind of gets enough heat that it chokes its own steam and heat within it and then let it take it out, let it cook to that part so that you're not cooking the hell out of the outer edges.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, and that, that, that tandoori paste that you say you make in house, that is, that's the same one you use with your paneer tikka.
1: Yes. As well? it's, yeah. it's the same. Yeah.
0: And paneer tikka, if you don't know, is like a tandoori uh, paneer, which is like a house made cheese. Mm mm-hmm. And it is put in the tandoor with bell peppers and onions, Yeah. and then served with like a mint chutney. Yes, yeah. and it's delicious here. So if you come here, yeah. be sure to order that one. I think in your menu it is called the paneer tandoori paneer bites. Tandoori paneer bites. I have
1: lots of meat eaters who oh even come goodness. and eat that. Yeah,
0: crazy. It's so good. Nice <laughs> big cube of it. That's, yeah, uh, it's one of my favorite. Uh, appetizers <laughs> for sure so when you were talking about all of these wonderful things and you talked about and you were going into the very first version of butter chicken
2: mm-hmm.
0: what do you when you go home or when you go back to india do you taste ones again that just bring you to another level and go wow
1: See, that's always going to be a factor. It's like when people go to Mexico and they come back look for the same kind of a tacos. It's hard to find because those tacos were like one person was making one kind of taco on the roadside. It is.
0: So it's like if the same That's the thing about food, right? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and back home, like, you know, you don't go to those big menu places. You go to the place where um, Tandoori chicken guy is doing nothing but like, you know, he yes. has all day tandoori chicken, hundreds of chicken, and he's just grilling through all day and squeezing those lemon and dust off those spiced and savory spices on it. All the smell and the aroma is in the air. So it, it makes the difference.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a lot of those factors that contribute to the experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, like the... Like you said, the locale, Uh where it's served, how long the person has been making that thing. Or maybe, yeah, like you said, like you said, there's people that just make one thing. So I guess a lot of people would want to know, um, and I'm kind of curious as well, If um, do you see a lot of differences in terms of, let's say, how recipes are reinterpreted for a Canadian audience? Would you see that there's a lot of difference in that way? You know, kind of like how, let's say, Chinese immigrants who come to Canada are cooking for a specific sort of palate. Mm-hmm. Is that the sort of the same thing with Indian food? Like, do you see it with a lot of the dishes now here?
1: Yeah, it's that's a good question. Um, yeah, I've I've traveled China twice, mm-hmm. and then I've been to beautiful food food mm-hmm. tour in Shanghai. And that Chinese food mm. was not Chinese food what we eat here. Mm. That was a big difference. Like, you know, uh, here I like ginger beef is quite popular. Yes. and It was invented
0: I, here. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then when I went to, uh, I go to um, one of the best uh, Korean village restaurant in, in Calgary. They really put together a good food. Even they have a dish that is really soaked in sugar syrup with fried meat. And... Um, So that kind of says about the city and also tells me why our butter chicken was quite sugary. Mm. And part of that also was, and again, like with all due respect, again, to all the restaurant owners around uh, in Calgary and in Canada, um, this is my personal feedback that when people are not from the industry, who have worked with chefs and like, you know, Uh, in those real shops or have no food background but just started in Canada don't get too worried of putting something together that you know it has to be how people are going to like you're going to have to come together it's like you must understand the palate your local palate but at the same time don't lose the essence it's like when I cook my food Indian food has a stigma of being hot Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And then uh, nowadays, because of some kind of a butter chicken around there in the market, it's sweet. And also the third is uh, so chili and the chili is actually a main factor and that there's known for. So what I found is um, when I was putting my recipes together, I understood that nobody's out there to eat my chili. There are some people who like hot, but majority of them don't want chili. And I didn't want to lose the essence of Indian food. I studied about it. It took me through the whole books of like, you know, just learning about the chilies. And I found out in Kashmir, there is a chili which is fatty shell Mm -hmm. that is high in color, high in aroma, high in... Yeah, high in color, high in aroma. And it's like low in spice. Hmm. And... I'm like, whoa, that's bingo. <laughs> and that's the chili I import from India that I use within my food. And uh, and then also, instead of using tons of chilies, I barely use chili at all. What I do is I give the warmth from the ginger to my food. Because mm. ginger itself mm-hmm. is spicy. It is. And you can balance your spices in order to create that essence of the spice not necessarily will have to put those fiery spicy chilies to cook my food and so when I see those people are like out there they are trying to repel like other food or like how the other food tastes like I must look like that you can understand everybody still you don't need to copy them you can get inspired we don't have to become them be uh-huh. your own and if you carry your own experience that's where people are here to see you not to not not to see you you look like somebody. And mm-hmm. so therefore like when it comes to sweet, I use specific wine ripened Roma tomatoes that I buy mm-hmm. from Cisco. So that those tomatoes are like fruit. So I don't have to chug the sugar. I do put a little bit sugar because sometimes the the tomatoes come very citricy mm-hmm. to cut that part. Although I use lots of onions in my curry so that I can balance that citricy not by, like, throwing piles and piles of sugar in it. Yeah, so that, that that's that's the only difference. Like, you know, uh, within all other restaurants also, I would say uh, be brave, understand everybody, but bring something on out. People are out there to experience you.
0: nay do you think that your identity as a Sikh Canadian has evolved over your time here in in running a business and to developing a product that people
1: enjoy? Oh, I I say that, you know. And again, like, um, then whether it's by my physical identity or by my skill, there was nothing new that I was uh, um, introducing. I wasn't introducing to Canada, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, I showed up and I had... People looking like me were already there. Yes. And the food that I'm cooking together, it was there. I just presented it a little different. Yeah. With with the little... Um, sure, I, I I claim it as a better approach and uh, because it took a lot of work that I put together for it. I
0: think anything that you do put a lot of work into, yeah, you have to... You know, it has to be something that's purposeful, mm-hmm. that means something a lot to you. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, in terms of that, it's a very it really i guess illustrates how much effort how much work patience resilience creativity resourcefulness goes into creating a life here that's just, you know meaningful mm-hmm. right so that's great so thank you <laughs> <laughs> Would you call yourself an innovator in your cuisine? um,
1: Kind of. Like, you know, it's like when I, instead of putting chilies, I I, I did some work over it and searched out a nice chili. And then instead of throwing chilies, green chilies or red chilies, I used ginger. So, um, yeah, there are things, there are things that makes me um, into innovator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What does, so what does being Canadian mean to you personally?
1: Oh God, we need another podcast. <laughs> 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 okay, I would not give any political view right here, but uh, being Canadian means you're everything. It's like we evolve, we stand for a lot more, we stand for friendliness, we stand for peace, we stand for harmony, and... uh yeah, we we stand for keep pushing forward. If you were thinking about uh,
0: D D PAX DABA in the future, mm-hmm. and its role in the Canadian culinary landscape, what what could you share with us? What would that glimpse of your
1: the future look like? Well, I must say. Uh... If you would ask me this question 10 years ago, I was loaded with future predictions. Like, you know, that's what I want to become and this is what I'm here for in Canada and this and that. But working for a decade, mind you, this April 3rd, I will be marking 10 years in Canada. Wow. And uh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, seeing the practical ground, I still do carry my passion and there is a lot of... um, there is a lot of, like, you know, visions and dreams I still carry uh, that I want to do in the future. But where Deepak Staba would be, I think, um are going to have to go through these, you know, economical challenges that we all face. I think every restaurant guy can or food guy can relate to me unless you are a big food chain you don't even care about because you are the one creating this recession or inflation. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so, so like, um, I am still going to go forward. I'm a Sikh. We, you know, I'm a slow walker, but I always go forward one step at a time, like a Johnny Walker. And, uh, yeah but uh, but I must say Deepak Staba, hmm, it's 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 a question that kind of puts me th- through like a little st- being a st- I stutter before I say and uh but no I I have my vision to create like community spaces wherever it would take me to then whether community would take me to the place where I need to get into resorts I would be and if it reaches to the point where um like any drinks or alcohol made by Mm -hmm. me make me a distiller i will say yes to it it's basically whatever community would say till now i have created that platform that whatever now people of canada would tell me i would go to because i i'm enjoying it so far and i want to continue with it and i want to let them tell me and i'll be there for it perfect
0: yeah because yeah you had been you did a collab early on when you opened the center street here to do a beer mm-hmm. and now you're working on another thing uh-huh. can you tell people
1: ah okay well uh i should have had a one shot of it then i could tell better <laughs> about it it's my spirited chai it's yes. a spiced sugarcane distilled spirit and uh, kind of like a rum and it's spices the color is nice and Amber and like how warm spice color could be, and as uh, soon as you open the bottle, like it's like opening a jar of spices, all the sweet spices, and uh, dangerous because like I I can't have one shot of that. It just <laughs> continues. It's just a full of yeah. It's very much like a spiced rum spice kind of profile. Rum. Yeah, it's, it's better than that, but yeah. Yeah, it's so good, and uh, yeah, so no, there that, that are there that is a collaboration with the you know right now with Two Rivers with the mm-hmm. distillery, and year and a half ago I had it with the Two Pillars, which is a brewery, and this year we're trying to make a bigger batches that we can sell it to different liquor stores, as well because we get a really good response, and people who have not tried my chai blonde, give it a try. You're gonna love my blonde.
0: So ten years. And it seems full circle. You're chaiwala again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the with the, with the next level of chaiwala, right? Yeah, I'll keep level. keep 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 doing that. You know, I'll keep people high on chai. <laughs> That's
0: my promise. So, I guess my last question for you today is: looking at butter chicken and its role as a iconic, popular Canadian dish, why do you think that is?
1: God, okay. Well, sometimes I give this reply to a lot of people in the, you know, at the farmer's markets. It's mm-hmm. like, if, if the day I ran out of the butter chicken, I might get deported, even though I'm citizen. <laughs> and it's as essential in Canada. I, I can see the obsession sometime of the butter chicken. But personally, I love butter chicken too. And that's why I put lots of love and care to our butter chicken. Than rather it's about picking fine spices and grounding it myself till today and And then picking right ingredients to create a premium best product that does not have much of the local BS, but some good message from one culture to the other. So what
0: in the perfect butter chicken would you be looking for?
1: Okay. The sauce should not be thick as hell. Sometimes people cook it with tomato crush, which is totally cheating. You need to cook it with regular tomatoes, but you must cook it enough that it is sticky and it's thick, not from the crush again. It shouldn't be, be thicky. It should be smooth and silky. Okay. And the chicken should be always like nice and tender, but then also should be grilled. Dark meat? Uh, dark I've... meat is the first choice. Yes. But grilled nicely. It should have a nice char when it, go- it kind of... You know, you put it together with the sauce. Bone in, uh, yeah. Well, bone in, yes. If if you can, if you if you want to eat meat with its full flavor, complete experience, then it's always with bone, never v- without bone. Mm-hmm. But I'll cook boneless for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Would you say rice or nan?
1: Uh well, it depends. Like you know, both are. It's it's a tricky question. Because um, the sauce, yes, it, it, it likes to have soaked in uh, rice. But at the same time, just imagine that nice grilled morsel of meat picked with nice, crispy and soft a breaded naan. You know, with a little bit of garlic around on the naan. It just <laughs> changed the day. It's, it just kind of make you forget what problems in life was. Uh, yeah they
0: made me you know just hearing you talk about food the way you did especially when you were telling me the history of this dish and i think you went right into it
1: was like stirring emotion in me uh-huh. <laughs> see food is not my passion and it's just my lifestyle yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> i mean literally it's what we do to survive what we do to live yeah so i mean if that's the case You know, why should it be mediocre? Yeah. Why should it just, you know, be just something to give you sustenance? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you know, if you do that, are we wasting our life? Are we wasting our time?
1: Wasting totally your time. (laughs) Why would you struggle where you can work with the optimum of yourself?
0: And that's why I like talking to people like you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I loved, our, I loved our podcast.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for being on the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you want anyone to find you, where can people find you?
1: Well, uh, I have three locations in Calgary. One with Crossroads Market at the corner of Blackford and Ogden. By now, you guys should know Crossroads. And then Center Street, uh, 10th Avenue, Crescent Heights area. It's uh, 1032 Center Street, Northeast. And the third location is at Calgary Farmers Market West at the Greenwich community in front of the Canadian Olympic Park. Cool.
0: And where can they find you on Instagram?
1: Instagram, Deepak's Daba. That's it. Deepak, as Deepak, D E E P A K S, Daba, D H A B A.
0: And Daba is actually a uh, spice uh, container,
1: yes? Um, It's Daba. Daba. Daba is spice container, but Daba is roadside eatery. Oh, kind of like a truck like stop. Like a diner yeah, truck. stop. It's a diner. Oh, truck okay. stop. And that's why I wanted to bring that word. It's like I remember uh, I was I was a little concerned along with my mm-hmm. team whether I should name Daba, but when my brand people who were helping me to build a brand, they're like, Well, how many people know about Zara, or Lulu, or all of those? Yeah. Right? Every, bring your own name.
0: I find that when 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 there's an Indian restaurant That wants to, let's say, be a level above or, you know, do high quality ingredients or do something elevated. It's always something very palatial or, you know, yeah, you know, like Rajdut. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I think that when you were just mentioning what you know what Daba means, it's like I think that's clever. Yeah. I really like that.
1: I didn't want it to complicate it. I wanted to have a Daba, which is known for a community kitchen. It's like yeah. a QSR, quick serve restaurant kind of thing, yeah. where truckers stop and they just source out local ingredients and just put a dish together. And it's fresh. It's quick. Eat and go.
0: And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad
1: <laughs> I've been had the
0: opportunity and pleasure to know you. So. Again, thanks for being on the show. And uh, yeah, I hope to have some more of your butter chicken very soon. Oh, yes. (laughs) And the, of course, the spiced chai spirit.
1: Yes. (laughs) May the chai spirit be with you.
0: Thank you again to Chef Deepak Singh Khalsi of Deepak's Daba for your wonderful insight into Indian cuisine and your personal Canadian story. I know that from your incredible description of butter chicken, I am definitely coming to visit again very soon. Of course, all the links for today's show are in the show notes. Please rate and subscribe, give us five stars, and help support the podcast by visiting the shop and picking up some merch. Be kind to one another, stay hungry, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.